On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about some preachers who are feeling the heat. Yeah, there's some new studies out that have surveyed preachers, and not surprisingly, preachers are feeling pressured not to deal with certain issues. I don't think that's necessarily a new situation, but we want to talk about it tonight. Maybe a 2,000-year-old problem. Actually, we're going to make a little play on Shakespeare's famous quote from Hamlet. He said, to be or not to be, that is the question. We're going to ask, to preach or not to preach, that is the question. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an interesting discussion. You'll want to be a part of it. Don't go anywhere. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 11th, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to join you tonight. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're listening on the other end of the line, and we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, and uh, the quickest way if you're listening to us live is in the chat window. Uh, sign in with other listeners there and let us know your thoughts. We want to remind everybody of our live streaming of our Bible studies and worship services. Uh, go to our our homepage, collegeview.com. There's a link there. Or go to YouTube and just look us up at College View Live Stream every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 10.30 and at 6 in the evening. And then also on Wednesday night at 7 for our Bible class periods and worship services, you'll find it being streamed live. And so there, there's a resource there, but I think probably a valuable part of that resource is you don't have to watch it live. Because if, if you want to go back at some point during the week and engage in some extra Bible study, those things are automatically there in an archive form that you can access. Kyle is our, our whiz, uh, 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 wizard at putting all that together, and uh, uh, we, we think that that's a good resource. All right, uh, so please check that out. And we're also offering free paint and body work. Um, maybe you made a mistake and backed into something. We can help you with that. Uh, you can put a bumper sticker over that. And, yeah. Uh, help, help you. Use it like a car Band-Aid. Yeah, like a Band-Aid and help us advertise the program. Send us an email to questions at com with your mailing address, and we'll get you a bumper sticker in the mail free of charge. We'd like to have you help us get the word out. All right. Uh, all right. So there, an article, Jacob, you came across this article, and it was actually in the magazine, well-known magazine, Christianity Today. The, the article deals with uh, maybe the erosion of religious liberties in our country somewhat, and we're not necessarily engaging in that discussion tonight. But in the course of this article, there were some interesting quotes. Half of Christian pastors, of course, they're using that terminology pastor uh, to uh, as an unequal synonym to preacher. Mm-hmm. They should say preacher. Half of Christian preachers feel occasionally or frequently limited in their ability to speak out by concerns they will offend people. This comes from a Barna research study. Um, and a little further in the article, i got a, another thing highlighted I want to read. 
close to half, 44% of Christian clergy say they feel limited in their ability to speak about homosexuality by people within their own churches. But at the same time, 37% say they feel pressured by their congregations to speak on the matter. That's your topic to preach or not to preach. Yeah. Among non-mainline pastors, 46% said it has become harder to speak out about biblical beliefs related to social issues than it was five years ago. So pretty much one out of two are saying, yeah, I've got to be a lot more careful than just five years ago in speaking out about these things. Isn't that crazy? They And it goes on to say they actually feel pressured to not preach on certain topics or pressured to speak on certain topics that they're not ready to talk about. And so there's a lot of pressure on those who are identified as preachers uh, to speak on some things and not speak on other things. Yeah, and a, homosexuality was mentioned as one of those. We'll try to talk about that a little bit. troubling? So uh, there's lots of things you could think about that, that, that ought to be talked about when you see uh, articles like that. And you've picked out some that we ought to talk about. You sent that out earlier today. Yeah, to our update list today, based upon sort of the gist of those survey re- results, we ask these questions and always remind you, get on our update list if you're not by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, put me on your list. To our update list today, we sent these. Number one, should preachers address specific moral issues, even ones that are not well-received in today's moral climate? Yes or no, give us scripture. Question two, what are some of the issues that we need to address, even though they are unpopular? Number three, what should someone do who realizes that his preacher is avoiding such matters and or watering down the message on these themes? Mm. And number four, preaching is clearly part of God's plan, 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13. What are the things that God wants preaching to accomplish? In other words, what are the purposes of proper preaching? All right. So those are the questions we want to work our way through, and we want your input. Uh, We've got... Yes uh, yes or no in the chat room. Should preachers uh, address specific moral issues even if they are not well received? We've got a few emails, but there's several people in the chat room. You can can give us your responses in the chat room. Um, So what about that? What about it, Kyle? Uh, Should preachers, uh, well, maybe step on some toes, uh, make some people uncomfortable? I think, well, I don't think we need to go every Sunday, come out feeling like we need to help walking. We need we need some crutches walking out of church every Sunday. I don't think that's something. But I think uh, if we don't feel convicted in some form or fashion, it's just we need to be preached to and lessons learned every Sunday we go to church. I mean, that's something we kind of grow as Christians. Ought, we ought so. to come wanting to see something that Absolutely. would make us I think if something, And like, I, I yeah. think you make a really great point, Kyle. I mean, we don't we, we don't have to... You know, feel beat up every time we go to church because the the preacher just slamming you know total negativity every time he mounts the pulpit. And oh, there's there's good and important positive themes of the scriptures that that must be balanced. Uh, but we've got it. We've got to cover those negatives uh, too. And so that's I think that's speaking as a preacher. I think that's the challenge. Uh, to be balanced in our approach, but we've got to cover all the bases. Stephen, the tra- chat room answers yes, they should preach about those things even if they're not well received. You know, that's the thing that I get about the, this study is these preachers are saying there are people in my congregation who need to know more about God's will in areas maybe that they're not complying with, and yet I'm afraid to tell them that. And that's a scary situation. 
And it's definitely not a situation that I want to be in, that there's something that I need to hear, but somebody's going to be afraid of how I will react to that, and they're not going to tell me. Yeah. I'm doing something wrong, but you don't want to tell me that I'm doing something wrong because I might get mad. Yeah. That's a scary situation. Yeah. Stephen is in the chat room. He also sent in an email today. He said, our need, or excuse me, one need not look any further than Jesus himself. Most of what he had to say was not well received by the religious establishment. Timothy was instructed in 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. In other words, when it's popular and when it's not, I think that's exactly right. The real test of preachers uh, of a preacher's heart is whether his preaching pushes people away from Jesus, which is real easy to do, or whether one's preaching draws the sinner to Christ. Preach the truth in love. When we uh, when we hold up Jesus, he said he will draw all men into him. John twelve verse thirty two. I think I think I, I understand that that last statement, and I, I don't disagree with it really. But the fact that, so if people are pushed away, it should not be because. The preacher has done his work poorly. His attitude. He's tone. got a bad attitude. He comes across as mean and grouchy. And so, yes, the preacher could push people away, and that'd be a huge problem. But sometimes the the truth pushes people away. And Stephen mentioned that in his in his in his post. Jesus. I mean, Jesus was perfect. You want to talk about the perfect preacher? Jesus yeah. was the perfect preacher. But as Stephen pointed out, most of what he had to say was not well received by the the Jewish leadership and the elites in Jerusalem. Uh, so but he didn't shy away from that. Right. He was willing, if, it, if, they, if they're not going to comply, he's willing for them to get uh, mad and, and And now some, somebody in the chat room can remind me where this text is. I'm, it's slipping me. But at one point, uh, some came to him and said, do you not know that the scribes and Pharisees were offended at what you said? He didn't, he didn't backtrack on that at all. So he was he was going to preach what needed to be preached, and and without fear or favor, he wasn't going to worry that uh, somebody might get mad at what he said. He was, he, and he, and his approach was perfect. A while back, uh, we did a, a, a several week study of the Sermon on the Mount, and tried to. So we took each segment of the Sermon on the Mount, sort of broke it down yep. uh, segment by segment. And talked about what Jesus said and then tried to rate it. Do you rate this positive, negative, or indifferent, somewhere in the middle? And when, then, and we didn't, we didn't keep a running tally until the end. We went back and added that up and it was pretty much half and half. Half of what Jesus said was positive and half of what he said was negative. Uh, and, that, and, and we're going to have to hit some kind of a balance. I don't know what it is, but even in that text that, uh, that Stephen mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Preach the word, Paul says, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Reprove and rebuke suggest maybe a negative necessity. Exhort a positive necessity. I think it's I, I don't think it's fair, but some have said, well, look at that. Two out of the three things were negative. Maybe our preaching needs to be two-thirds negative, one-third positive. I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can calculate percentages from that statement, but it is true. That Paul said, if we're preaching the word, we're going to cover both negatives and positives. Yeah, um, yeah. Jesus, yeah, Jesus had to tell people where they were wrong, and uh, well, if we do it in a right attitude, we definitely need to be doing the same. Ricky references in the chat room Second Timothy four verses two and three. One man said, "Preach it when they like it, and preach it when they don't." Yes, balance is certainly necessary, but I often hear preachers say something. That needed to be said, then take the effectiveness of it away by seeming to apologize for it. 
sometimes we apologize for God as if we are ashamed of the truth. And so says, good. preach it and don't be ashamed. Sharon uh, in the chat room sends in Matthew 15. Maybe that's the passage that you were looking for. Uh, um, Matthew 15, 12 no. through 14. Thank yeah, you, Sharon. I Sharon think that's that. it. Yeah, Sharon. It's on, it, Sharon's on the on, uh, quick on the draw for you tonight. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, Sharon. His, Jesus' disciples said to him, Knowest thou not that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So you don't get the idea he apologized because somebody was upset with what he said. All right. Uh, Thanks, and, and then Dwight says the truth hurts sometimes, but one cannot preach the truth because it hurts. One can't one can't not preach the truth because it hurts feelings. I think Our that's right. feelings deceive us, he says. I think that's right. I think you're right. right. Dwight. So a lot of preachers are feeling the pressure uh, to speak out against certain things, uh, certain moral issues. Uh, the scriptures tell us that we've got to be willing to, to teach the truth, to teach it in love, no doubt, uh, but teach the truth. Uh, Ramona uh, sends us an email tonight. Good to hear from Ramona. Uh, Ramona says, yes, uh, they should uh, preach about things, even though they're not well-received. Christians are not taught seriously about biblical accountability, she says. James 5.16 is not a suggestion but a command. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Moreover, this is a command tied to our health as Christians. In this text, James mentions cases where personal sin leads to a serious physical or emotional illness, calling for the elders of the church to administer healing. Before we get uh, to that point, however, we should uh, be in the practice of the regular preventative medicine of confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other. Okay. So she says, yes, they should. Right. And, and, and if we're going to be, you know, we, we shouldn't be uh, afraid to say, yeah, I was wrong and and I see it here from thanks to someone for showing me that, and I want to do better. Yeah. Did we get Kent's uh, email there? We didn't. I skipped Kent. Uh, Kent mentions that same text that we were referencing, and Stephen referenced 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. It mandates that the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth be preached, and that such truth be addressed both forcefully and kindly and genuine spirit of concern for the good of the local church as a whole. And so I think all of our listeners and participants are in, in unanimous agreement yeah, we're going to have to preach on things even if they're not popular. But, and, and I don't think for anybody who's listening to the virtual Bible study that that would be a, a, a an earth-shattering revelation to them. Uh, uh, but, but really, if you stop to think about Jesus as the perfect example of a preacher, know that he, he didn't shy away from teaching about things that were unpopular. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're getting a break, and when we come back... What are some of the things we need to be talking about? Some of the issues that are unpopular today. Um, well, that's an easy one. Put it in the chat room. What's something you know of yeah. that uh, maybe sort of gets people mad? Something well, what, is, what is something that you fear we're neglecting to discuss that we should discuss because people will get upset and maybe leave or or be pushed away because we're proclaiming a message that, that is unpopular. What do you think are some of those things? Unpopular messages. Send us a a little message there in the chat room tonight. You'll be popular if you tell us the unpopular message. We want to hear those. Uh, We're going to take a break. We'll get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. 
I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Here's some quotes worth pondering. It's better to be faithful than to be famous. Motives are invisible, but they are the true test of character. Some people fall for everything and stand for nothing. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. Now we're back on the program tonight as we ask our listeners, and they came through for us in the chat room during the break, uh, what are some things that are issues that need to be addressed, even though they're unpopular? Stephen in the chat room mentions abortion. That one's uh, surprisingly unpopular uh even among some christians or people who yeah. claim to be christians homosexuality that's becoming more and more unpopular. Oh, I, I, yeah and i think <clears throat> that either one of those but maybe even in particular the homosexual homosexuality issue i think that we are on the verge and, and that article i referenced earlier from christianity today they were worried about the erosion of religious liberty. I think that our religious liberty in this country may quickly change in regards to speaking on those kind of subjects because we're already hearing that sort of thing be identified as hate speech. Uh, and, and so what are we going to do with that? So what if maybe they passed legislation that says that you cannot publicly condemn homosexuality? That that's hate speech, and if you do it, you, you you stand the danger of being prosecuted for hate speech. Well, that would be a lot of pressure to preach or not to preach, you know. But what would we do? I I think our response to that would have to be like the apostles was when they were told not to preach or teach about Jesus. Uh, you remember Peter said, uh, "We ought to obey God rather than men." Acts chapter five, verse twenty-eight. Uh, he, he said uh, uh, in, in chapter 4, verse 19 of Acts, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So the apostles' example was even when they were under direct threat, physical threat. Uh, they said, well, you, can do, you can do what you want. You can say what you want. We're going to preach it. And that would have to be our approach on a subject like homosexuality. Uh, abortion although it's such a strong, needed message, I, I don't think we get quite as much violent reaction in society preaching against abortion, uh, although there is some. There is some real pressure against speaking out on abortion. But I, that tide actually may be turning a little bit. I think Maybe. that 
because uh, the abortion advocates are, are becoming so much more extreme in their standing uh, to the point now that they're even advocating you kill a born baby if it's not the baby you want or if there's something you think is wrong with it or something. I mean, the abortion advocates have become so far out that there are even people who are not necessarily deeply religious people who are saying, hey, that's not right. So that that tide may be turning a little bit, but this homosexuality thing is is going uh, uh, straight ahead. Yep, and and it's and it's in, enveloping more and more people, and people, even even religious people who who would never practice that sin themselves, have begun to express a toleration for that sin. Yeah. Yep. Uh, here's some. Uh, Dwight says uh, one that is uh, is one that you that you should preach about that is not going to be popular is modesty. Uh, the biblical principle of making sure that we're covering uh, ourselves. I wonder if Dwight has had some of the same experiences that I've had in He's, speaking out on that subject. And I'll tell you, you can get you can get Christians pretty ill. Pretty fast if you speak out uh, on immodest apparel, mixed swimming, that sort of thing. It's pretty amazing, but you can get a pretty intense, aggressive, negative reaction from people from speaking out on that. So what do we do? Well, I don't know about you, but I, I won't keep preaching on modesty. In fact, uh, as the warm weather is returning, we're probably going to have to dig out our, our – our, Dwight, we're going to have to dig out our sermons on modesty because, I mean – it's an obvious problem, and it affects Christians, and so we have got to speak on that. Another is alcohol usage. He says, uh, "Well, we have done that, and we've and we've and we've been uh, we've received a pretty significant pushback against that, Jacob. When, even on the virtual Bible study, when we've taught about alcoholism, drinking, social drinking, mo- so-called moderate social drinking, uh, when we speak out against that, we get a pretty strong pushback." Sharon says divorce and remarriage is not a popular topic. Unfortunately, it's not. I think that's a good one to point out, Sharon. Uh, uh, and you know that in, in most denominations, that's a subject not ever, ever even brought up. Um, obviously, it's an important biblical subject, and and it's going and it and the reason why it's unpopular is because of the people that it impacts it impacts dramatically. It impacts their lives dramatically. But we got to preach on it. Um, guest MB says modest apparel, homosexuality, marriage, divorce, or marriage. Thanks uh, for those. Those are uh, mirror the others we've already gotten. Uh, oh, guest MB goes on and says um, attendance issues, church attendance issues. That sort of gets people worked up, right? Yeah. We talk about faithful attendance. Yeah. Uh, Sharon says disciplining children. That could be a hot button topic. Uh, you, you preach what the Bible teaches about disciplining children. And uh, some corporal punishment there, even uh, that can be uh, contrary to the popular uh, thinking. Um, Ricky mentions modesty, mostly avoided in my experience because so many do not want to hear it. A local preacher was asked to preach on the subject, and he said, "I'm not going there." Brethren, when we look like the world, we're of the world. The world has not become like us. Good, good, Ooh. really good. Yeah, good. Uh, I got an email coming in a little late. I didn't get to print it off, Jacob. This is from our friend Aaron in, uh, in Texas. I think this is Aaron. I don't think this is his wife, Sherry. Let's see. Yeah, no, it says it's Aaron. Uh, Aaron says, yes, we've got to preach when people like it when they don't. And secondly, he says, we can hear sermons about materialism that aren't, aren't pointed enough to make us think that we have that problem. 
Americans are wealthy by the standards of the average person, but we don't think that way because we do not see the average person in the world. We see other Americans. And so we do not think of ourselves as subjects of the warnings given to the rich in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. And we do not feel any obligation to improve the lives of others. The story that has dominated the news cycles for the past several months is how our country decides to treat poor, desperate people who come to us for better opportunities. And many in the church are content to say to them, depart, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding we give them not the things that are needful. It is popular to preach on one of the sins of Sodom, but not the rest. And he references Ezekiel 16, which I think that text in Ezekiel 16 says that the Sodomites also oppressed the poor. Uh, obviously, we preach about homosexuality, but he says we're not touching another sin of Sodom, which is oppressing the poor or not being care, caring to the poor, because those hit too close to home. And we have a tendency to think that our efforts should be centered first on those like us, America first, whether that need is for the gospel or for a share of our abundance. So uh, Aaron's point there is that we, we need to be preaching on materialism and also preaching, which I think is really important, that that we be a benevolently minded people. Uh, the, the, the scriptures say a lot about that. Jesus taught a lot about that. And so certainly those are themes that we need. We're not covering all our bases if we don't touch on those things. But Aaron and I had a discussion about this by email a couple weeks ago. And I, I, we can't preach everything all at once. And so I don't think it's wrong to hit hard on homosexuality and abortion. And that's not to say that we shouldn't also be preaching on materialism and, and uh, failure to be benevolent and all that. Those are... And, and I hope that the people who have to listen to me preach on a regular basis know that I, that I hit on those themes too. Uh, but again, I, I don't think that we can say don't preach on homosexuality if you're not going to preach on all the others. I would say preach on homosexuality and preach on all the others. I, I, I don't think it, it, it's not an either or. It's all. We need to preach on it all. All right. Stephen in Georgia says issues vary from area to area and audience to audience, and what issues needed needing to be addressed should be the prevalent, ongoing ones staring you in the face. Part of the problem that I keep addressing here on uh, on your broadcast is the irregularity of the job of the preacher whose primary work, primary work should be preaching the gospel to lost, those outside the church, as opposed to the elders who should be appointed by the church to bring up these sticky issues. Um the problem we face today is that preachers' salaries, livelihood, is dependent on not being fired, which is likely to happen if he is the one addressing problematic issues within the church. It is much more difficult to get rid of an elder who has been appointed by the majority of the church when he is the one who is who uh, he is the one who the Holy Spirit has appointed to shepherd the flock. The last time this topic came up at the end of your broadcast, there wasn't time for me to address your response. The reason that evangelists were preaching to the church was in part because there had not been elders yet appointed. No one owned a Bible uh, because it had not been fully written, and it was the gift of revelation that the evangelists presumably were operating under until things were established and set in place. Yeah, I, I disagree with Stephen somewhat on that. I, I do certainly. I mean, who could who could argue that the preachers need to fo- need a strong focus on reaching the lost with the gospel message? I think that's true, but I do not agree that the elders have an ex- uh, the elders exclusively teach the flock and the preachers exclusively teach the lost. Um, we know that that Paul was in Ephesus. 
And he spent three years preaching to the folks in Ephesus. And they had elders because we know that Paul met with the elders from Ephesus in Acts 20. I don't, I think that's, again, I, I, I'm sympathetic with the idea we need to, preachers need to spend a lot of focus on trying to reach lost people. I don't deny that. But I do not agree that it is the exclusive work of elders to, to instruct and deal with those already converted. I think preachers still have an, have a, a realm of work there too. So I would differ there a little bit. Kent said, Georgia says all things that pertain to the totality of God's revealed truth, uh, be preached with conviction and clarity. Unfortunately, worldliness has had such an impact on the Lord's church that a spirit of compromise has had a bad influence on brethren, not only regarding the New Testament pattern to the preaching of what is considered doctrinal issues, but also moral issues as well. We need uncompromising teaching regarding dancing, swimming, immodest clothing, marriage, divorce, remarriage, recreational drinking and drug use, and overabundant emphasis on sports activities, impure speech, Understanding viewing of television programs and and movie going, anything dealing with biblical morality needs to be addressed. And so he says that worldliness is sort of maybe taking away the appetite that some have for hearing what God has said about moral issues. Yeah. And, you know, we had a fellow recently uh, regurgitate an expression that's been around for several decades and he says, we're just majoring in the minors. We're majoring in the minors. Well, who gets to say what's major and what's minor? You know, every Bible theme needs to be preached about. I mean, how, how can you say, well, that's a minor. You're talking about immodesty. That's a minor thing. Says who? You know, how, how, who gets to make those calls? Fornication it, it, is not that big a deal anymore. Maybe it used to be yeah. not a big deal anymore. Yes, I, I do not think that. I mean, if it's a Bible subject, it needs to be addressed, and we should not shy away from it, and we should not water it down. Ooh, Ramona cuts to the chase tonight. She says the watering down of the church. It is becoming the church of feel good. I think that's wow. right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, that's the problem in many pulpits today, Kyle. Is that we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable, as you mentioned. If uh, there's something going on that uh, needs to be discussed, we don't want to do that because it might make people upset. Yeah, that's true. Which, uh, if there's something that has to be talked about, if there's an issue going on that we know of in the church, if there's something in the local congregation or something that we know members are dealing with specifically in their lives, I think uh, a topic needs to be brought up and talked about, especially in the, at the pulpit, maybe be the most outward way to get that done sometimes maybe the harshest way but thing is it needs to be talked about if something is going on you we see the apostles and the preachers in the in the new testament did not shy away from anything at all so it's just they laid it out there it, if they stepped on toes they stepped on toes but something needs to be talked about those all right it is time for a break and this week's bullet point and uh, when we get back up next what do you do if your preacher's yeah, what if my pre- soft pedaling a little bit? Yeah, huh? what if I realize my preacher's kind of tiptoeing around some issues that I think really need to be hammered on? What do I do about that? All right, we're going to take a break and get your thoughts. So stay with us. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. 
The scriptures plainly teach the concept of church discipline. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14, it says, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11 says, With such a one, know not to eat. There are always those who complain that this discipline will not work. It drives people away, they claim. And because they do not believe the process will work, they often refuse to participate in it, continuing to freely associate with the one who has been withdrawn from. Sometimes they will even openly oppose the disciplinary action and work against it. But wait a minute. Who are these people arguing with anyway? Not with us. They're arguing with God. These folks need to be taught, and the teaching needs to begin with the very basic concept of faith in God's word and confidence in his plan. The truth of the matter is that church discipline, when properly administered, does work. In fact, when done correctly, it always works. 1 Corinthians 5 serves as an interesting study of the benefits of church discipline. Notice how it works. First, in verse 2, it demonstrates to all that sin cannot be tolerated. Verse 4 says that it proves our commitment to God and his will. Verse 5 says it shows the erring brother that we love him and are concerned for his soul. And verses 6 through 13 show that it protects the rest of the congregation from a damaging influence. So if anyone still doubts the effectiveness of this approach, please note that the actions described in the text above, that is 1 Corinthians 5, had the desired effect. The erring brother was restored. Look at 2 Corinthians 2, beginning verse 4. So this is God's plan, and it works. We must have faith to employ it. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program, remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. As we talk about preachers who are feeling the pressure tonight to not speak on certain moral issues because it might offend people, might make them upset, we're asking the question, should preachers shy away from those things and the clear answer tonight from our listeners and we believe from the scriptures uh, as we looked at second timothy chapter four there to preach the word be instant in season and out of season preach it when it's popular preach it when people don't want to hear it we got a pretty good response to your online poll jacob uh, and, and several suggestions have come in here that things that need to be preached on that are not popular sharon mentions another subjection of wives to their husbands Ooh. That's not popular in the. I think among our brethren that, that that's that's not a, a an unpopular theme or one that we get a lot of grief about. But in the re- religious world in general, that's affected by this women's movement and women's equality movement. You they would not hear well the things that the Bible say about that. Yeah, just to be clear though, women are absolutely equal. There's no. They no, are equal, they, but they are to be different sub, roles. Different roles. Different roles. Uh, yeah. Yeah, different roles. Um, Guest MB says, here's another one that needs to be preached, although it's not popular, dealing with Christians who are either falling away or dividing the church. Uh, uh, okay. Dwight says, if the truth is taught great, but holding back the whole truth, you're doing so much damage. We need to be carefully or fully committed to teaching the whole counsel of God. We need to say something to the speaker, I guess he's saying. If, uh, on what do you do if you're? It, that, that, that's our next subject. What do you do if your preacher's watering it down or not dealing with it? But I think Dwight, that's a really good passage to bring up in Acts chapter twenty. Um, Paul said to those Ephesian elders. By the way, here's a preacher talking to a church with elders, actually talking to the elders themselves. He says. 
I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shared, shunned to declare unto you, elders, and the church at Ephesus, the, all the counsel of God. Uh, he said, uh, uh, verse 31, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So, uh, we need to preach the whole council. We, we, we're not advocating for leaving anything out. Lou in Minnesota tonight says, Today is a society of tolerance and acceptance. If you disagree with someone, you're a racist, sexist, homophobe, etc. Jesus was persecuted, so if we are persecuted for our faith in him, we are in good company. We are in this world, but not of it. Thank good, you, Lou, for that. Good, Lou. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, um, Jesus said that if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Uh, so, uh, we can't expect to, um, be any better than Jesus, right? I mean, now, uh, Jesus's message wasn't popular, Kyle, and, um, we're going to have to be unpopular sometimes as well. That's true. That's absolutely what, uh, if the truth is spoken, <laughs> most likely it's going to outside of the church. If somebody who's hurt most of their lives, if it's somebody who is willing to set aside their own pride, and listen and examine themselves, I think if they hear the truth, they will apply it to their lives. If someone who is unwilling to say that that's not me, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, or that's, you know, if that's too harsh, I think it's, I think it's, you know. Lou's comments remind me of John chapter 15. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Mm-hmm. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. You know, I'm afraid that sometimes we lose our focus and start to think that, that we're going to be popular. You know, that, that, that we can preach this. We can, we can have a message that everybody likes and that, yeah. that lots of people are accepting. But Jesus yeah. said, you're not going to be able to do that if you're going to be his disciple you're going to make people uh, upset, uncomfortable. They're not going to like what you're saying because they didn't like Jesus's message. Yeah. All right. Um, Dwight, back to so Dwight is segueing us to our question. What do you do if you realize your preacher's not not covering all the bases or watering down the message? He says we need to say something to the speaker if they hold back all the truth, and I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, um, so, and you know. So, one of those things, though, is we shouldn't be saying, ah, you got to preach about Brother, Brother Smith over there. you got to start getting on him. We ought to be starting to do that to ourselves. You know, yeah, if, if yeah. we feel like he's not telling us what we need to hear. Yeah. Then we ought to oh, be, well, yeah. that's a good point. So i got a good, I, in my mind's eye, I can perfectly see what all these folks out here in the pews need. Yeah. But I'm not dealing with what, I'm not even thinking about what I need. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So we ought to demand it uh, for everyone, right? Especially ourselves. If he's not, if he's not making us uncomfortable, if he's not challenging us, then then we, that needs to change for yeah. our benefit. Yeah. Uh, Kent, who is a preacher, said, "If your preacher's watering it down or not covering it all, he says, discuss the problem personally with the preacher and demonstrate from the scriptures that these unpopular issues need to be addressed from the pulpit, even though society and in general and liberal thinking brethren in particular oppose such preaching. If such does not bring about change, address such problems with the elders of the local church. If that specific church has elders, 
if a local church does not have elders, address such concerns with the men of the congregation. So, okay. in other words, in other words, keep keep moving it up the ladder. This is a problem, and if if the whole counsel of God is not being preached, that's got to be dealt with in whatever scriptural. Uh, means are available. Ramona says, speak to the elders about it. If they won't do anything about it, find another congregation that will. All right. Um, okay. And then Dwight says, John 8, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What happens if we don't hear the whole truth? Well, that's a good question, Dwight. It appears that we won't be free from the sin that is in our life if we don't hear the truth that exposes it and tells us what we need to do differently. I think, I think, that, I think that all of our respondents here are on the same page about this. In other words, this cannot be overlooked. If if the preacher where I am is not dealing with these important necessary subjects from the scripture, then I I need to I I can't just say, well, that's his problem. Okay, I'm not going to worry. You know, I, I said something. And I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it pass. That this is something that cannot be ignored, and I think unfortunately a lot of people do, and I I think. Uh, even in this geographical area where we are, I think there's been a, a an evolution of churches in, in toward a more and more liberal standing. And people have just let that just they, they, they're like a frog being boiled in a pot of water. The heat comes up slow and they and they don't even realize how far they have drifted from the truth and how far the preaching where they are has drifted from what they used to hear. And they don't do anything about it. You got to do something about that. You can't. You just can't be the frog in the boiling pot of water. You're going to have to say that's not right. Now, I, I, if if I can't affect positive change here uh, in regards to this very important matter, then then maybe I, I'm going to have to decide to go elsewhere. But this is not something that can be tolerated. Yes. Um... Stephen mentioned it's becoming a poor man's country club, and that sort of is the maybe the mindset that we're tempted to be in is that, hey, uh, I want this all. I don't want anybody to be upset. I want I want us to all have this, you know, a big big club sort of, you know, where nobody gets their feelings hurt about yeah. their lives or what they need to do different. Aaron in Texas says there's no law that says only the preacher can identify sin, so. We should do it ourselves. I think that's an interesting point. Oh, interesting take. Because Aaron says, we're focused on the preacher, and that's fine. But, you know, it's not just totally his responsibility to speak out on important issues. That's, yeah, if, if I'm, he, he shouldn't. He, he can't really, right? There's, I mean, there should be issues that I'll have to cover with brethren on my own, right? Yeah, Maybe yeah. I see certain things in their lives that the preacher doesn't see. Yeah. Hmm. All right. That's so, good. Yeah. So, uh, uh I think that's a good observation. How much time we got? Let's take our last break, Jacob, and come back and cover this last question. Preaching is clearly part of God's plan. What are the things that God wants preaching to accomplish? All right. What are the purposes of proper preaching? This is going to be good. We're going to go with it to the top of the hour. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. 
Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to a 2017 survey, 49% of U.S. adults reported buying lottery tickets. 56% of those who earn between 36000 and 90000 play the lottery. Fewer of those making under 36000 bought tickets, only about 40%, and about 53% of those who make more than 90000 bought a ticket. When lower-income players do buy tickets, they spend far more money. Those in the bottom fifth of income spend the most on lottery tickets, $433 per year on average. That information is via CNN Money. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 9, They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. Before we leave this idea of the preacher not covering what he needs to preach, did you notice these uh, the, the subjects that they're feeling pressured about? They're feeling pressure about... This is from the Christianity Today yeah, magazine. The, the survey. They're feeling pressure about the homosexuality and... Uh, issue they're not about preaching against they feel pressure by that they they feel four times more pressure that they're going to make people mad when they preach out against that than they are about marriage sex before marriage promiscuity cohabitation seven percent versus 44 percent you know what that tells me is that when we don't preach about things then we that it's just like the issue of the day people begin to accept these other things they're not People aren't worked up about preaching against premarital sex. They're more upset about this other issue because we have just sort of we've sort of swallowed hard and started to accept these things. Yeah, we've sort of started to accept uh, abortion. We've started to accept other things because we're not preaching out against them. And so, if your preacher is soft pedaling on these issues, then before long, there's a Christians will the begin to accept them and yeah. they won't have a problem with them. Yeah, yeah exactly right. right. Exactly right. Okay. Okay, so what's the purpose of preaching? Uh, Dwight, first, Dwight says the proper purpose of preaching is to not only encourage and build up, but to convict people of sin that they may live their lives uh, so their lives will be saved. Good. I think that's right. Uh, I was going to just introduce this, Jacob, with 1 Corinthians one twenty one. After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so, obviously, preaching was a choice that God had, and, and it's a mechanism that he chose that should be used to get the message to the lost. It's very important, and it's yeah. critical. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, again, Dwight says uh, to encourage and build up, but to convict of sin. I think that's a good point. I guess Dan B says we gain knowledge to see where we are and where God wants us to be. And as a result, we receive salvation. That is what proper teaching helps us to do. Yeah. So sort of showing us the mirror of God's word so we can see where the flaws are in our lives and conform them to what God wants for us. Yeah. Um, a lot of this involves just giving basic instruction. Preaching is to give basic instruction in the will of God. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning verse 11, 
Paul says, What man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the purpose of preaching is to get get out there information about the will of God. He's revealed that to us. In other words, it, and, and by the way, that's a really wonderful thing. It, it would be terrible if the, if it was obvious that there was some sort of supreme being, but we didn't know anything about him. We do know something about him because he chose to reveal himself to us. And that basic information needs to be conveyed. Information about God and his will. Preaching, a purpose of preaching is to give that basic instruction so that people know about God and what God expects of them. We need right. to instruct. All right. Um, I think we also, uh, in conjunction with instruction, is that we need to convict people and convince them. Uh, preachers need to do more than just simply reciting the facts of the Bible. Um, if all we do is just tell the facts of the Bible, then what we end up with is maybe some people who could really excel in a, in a contest of Bible trivia. We're not dealing with just with Bible trivia, although it's very important for us to know. We try to get our kids to memorize Bible stories, Bible characters, all that sort of thing. I really don't I actually think that the terminology Bible trivia may be bad to use yeah. because there's nothing trivial about the Bible. But we want to convince people not just to know the facts and the information, but to be convinced and convicted to act upon that. Yeah. Um, in Acts 17, verse 2, Paul, as his manner was, went into them three Sabbath days and reasoned with them. The word reason means to discuss thoroughly, to argue, to debate for purposes of convincing. He reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Uh, so obviously he was, he was proving the fact, but he was arguing for the purpose of convincing them to do something about this fact. And so we want to instruct. We want to convince and convict. Um, we want we want people to know the basic commands of God. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 2, Ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's inter- you know, and this has been mentioned by some of our participants tonight already there, there's certainly a place for the feel-good kind of sermons and we need that that's that's a part of the scriptures that's part of preaching the whole counsel of god but for those who only want to deal with the positive things notice they wouldn't want to do what paul says ye know what commandments we gave you by the lord jesus if we just make people feel good with messages that god loves you uh but we don't tell them the commands, then we're not doing our job. Um, we, we need to to show them what they must do yeah. uh, as we preach. Yep. Preaching also involves rebuke. We, we mentioned in Second Timothy four verse two, reprove, rebuke, exhort. That's the work of an evangelist. Titus two verse fifteen. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Uh, We've got to rebuke. We've got to remind. 
Uh, that's what Dwight just sent in the chat room. In Second Peter, he meant, he brings them Very into good. remembrance. We need to preach the word more than once, he says. I think that's good, Dwight, and I was going to go to that too. Second Peter 1, verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Yeah. And so it was important. Peter saw the importance of constantly reminding, coming back over the same things over and over again. It's not bad. It's good. Yep. And then I, on my list, I had one more thing, and that is obviously to encourage. Uh, Paul and Paul and Barnabas they they were sort of backtracked as they were ending their first missionary journey in Acts 14, verse 21. After they had preached the gospel of that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. So uh, the, the work of a preacher is to encourage as well. So my list had these points, to instruct, to convince or convict, to show the commands, to rebuke, to remind, to encourage. That's good. All right. So yeah. I think those are all, I'm not saying that's an exhaustive list, but I think those are all worthy goals of proper preaching. I like what Stephen put in the chat room. God is looking for conversion. That's a, God wants us to be converted, and I'm not going to be converted unless God tells me how I can live differently. Right, Kyle? I mean, if, hey, Kyle, you're great. We love you. Everybody, everything's great then you're, there's not going to be any kind of conversion in your life. You'll come where you are, and you'll stay where you are. Yeah, we're called out. We're called out of a life of sin and into a life of uh, service to God. So that's, yeah. yeah. And then Dwight, uh, I mean, uh, Stephen puts in uh, First, Tim, First John 3.23. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Okay. Aaron in Texas says, Good preaching generates appreciation of the Creator and his work on our behalf, moves the audience to make themselves more pleasing servants, and equips us to take that message to other others. The best preaching causes us to look at ourselves rather than aiming at easy targets who aren't there to hear it anyway. Okay, good point, good point. Uh, Stephen in his email tonight says, The job of preaching is identified in the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That is the lost. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the job of the preacher. Uh, and so and then he goes on and talks about his thing about the elders and and so forth, but uh, certainly we need to be converting lost souls. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, uh, an analysis of 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 13, as well as 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, indicates that scriptural preaching should accomplish the following goals. Did he steal your sermon? I don't know. He says, instruct the hearers in the word uh, God would have them to know. Bring conviction of sinful conduct to the hearts of those who are guilty. Bring about awareness of God's desire and willingness to forgive when his conditions of forgiveness are obeyed. Bring comfort to them who have sincerely changed their lives and have received God's forgiveness. Bring about a greater knowledge of God's truth to all who hear such. Thank you, Kent. So not exactly what you had said there, but pretty close. Very similar. Yeah, very thank similar. you, Kent. Yeah. And, and R- Ramona. Yeah, go ahead. Ramona said, references 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, to disappearing in the kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, 
and they will turn their ears away from the truth and shall and be turned to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your so ministry. So that, that text has come up several times tonight, but that's, think, that really identifies the work of an evangelist. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. First uh, Timothy 4, verse 6, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourishing the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. A good minister is one that instructs the brethren with the word of God. When this is done, this will help equip the saints with what they need to hear and not necessarily what they want to hear. God wants a preacher who will convict people of sin through his word so their hearts will be pricked and they will realize that they need to repent and change their ways. This is not something that a preacher enjoys doing, but if he's preaching the whole counsel of God, he'll preach on topics that will eventually touch everyone because we all have our different weaknesses and strengths and God's word covers them all. As Peter says, for Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 Grace and peace be multiplied you in the knowledge of God our, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us to, unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to, by glory and virtue. Paul gives an example of this in Second Corinthians 7, verse 8. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, but not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication, in all things you prove yourself to be clear in this matter. So Paul said, you know, some of his preaching made people sorry or sad. Yeah. But it was uh, it was beneficial to them because they repented. You know, there's a pretty good principle that I think is really being violated in our modern culture. When you do bad, you should feel bad. Yeah. You know, it's good to feel good, but when you do bad, you should feel bad. It's called your conscience, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that's been, I think, there, we're trying to, we're seeing an effort to water down the preaching of Scripture so that I can feel good even when I've done bad. And that that's There's no benefit to that sort of preaching. And so that's really what we've been talking about in our study tonight. We, we Again, we sort of played on Shakespeare's famous quote, but we said to preach or not to preach, that is the question. Should I preach on these subjects that many people really don't want to hear? Not popular in our world. Not popular sometimes among our own brethren. People should I preach on alignment with this? Should I preach on it anyway? Yes. And in fact, if if I'm not getting that, I need to I need to say something about it. And if I can't get uh, if I can't affect change, I need to find some place where I can get that full instruction from the Word of God. All right, Kyle. Final thoughts from you tonight. It's, I think uh, we just need to. Whenever we go to church, we need to cast the cares of the world aside and make sure we're focusing what the preacher's saying. No matter if it steps on our toes, no matter what he's saying, uh, we need to examine the scriptures and what he's talking about and make sure it aligns with what the Bible says. I think it's something we need to be participants as well as, uh, you know, spectators. So we need to make sure we're participating. Participating in, in that I'm looking for things that I can apply. That's right. Yeah, not, and I'm not looking at, at them, you, Kyle. I'm looking at them in, for myself, what I need and what I can do differently. That's right. Good point. Good point. Dad, final thoughts from you. I think we're good. I think we had a good study. I th- uh, uh, 
I appreciate that you found that information there in Christianity Today that sort of served as a as a springboard for our discussion. Good discussion tonight, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Thanks to all who participated in the discussion tonight. Lots of good comments in the chat room tonight. Uh, we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.